We are a community that loves like Jesus, and my hope and my prayer is that this would be a transformative space for you, not just today, but every time you tune in. We're continuing our sermon series called The Sermon on the Mount, and today's sermon is titled, Blessed Are the Pure in Heart. So today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, and this is the sixth of the Beatitudes. It says this, happier people who have pure hearts because they will see God. The NIV translation says this, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Well, I would have to say that through the Beatitudes, I've been compelled to take a deep dive into what is called the ethics of Jesus and look at truly what he was speaking about in these Beatitudes and how we are to live in accordance to them or because of them. So we have these nine proclamations of a new way of being because we have the Holy Spirit. And out of that indwelling of the Holy Spirit, this is kingdom living, these nine proclamations. So they are an invitation to change the world around us by displaying, communicating, and acting in the ethics of Jesus. Well, when it comes to pure in heart, when I hear the phrase pure in heart, because of my age and how long I've been in ministry, I immediately go to the idea of purity culture. And when I was in youth ministry and, and how formative purity culture was and many times destructive to that era of church, and we do have a lot of carryover from that era of church, there was a sense that purity in that time only was expressed in one way, and that was sexual purity. So when books like I Kissed Dating Goodbye or Romance God's Way or the movement The Silver Ring Thing came about, it was embraced as a certain form of purity that clouded young people with a lot of shame. And therefore, there was an unsafe environment that created the inability to talk through issues and challenges with people that could actually help. So young people were engaged, and, and people all across, all across our nation were engaged in activities and couldn't talk about them. They couldn't reveal or confess or just walk alongside someone that could help them in their choices. So when I hear the word purity, it kind of triggers me into thinking about the shame that was around that time. Or it triggers me into thinking shameful thoughts or shameful actions, and it kind of envelops me in shame when I think about the word purity. Well, this is not the intention that God had when he proposed this beatitude. Purity culture is a moral false validation that really is only a physical realm. And Jesus went much deeper than a physical realm. Now, I believe that purity culture or the purity movement, I think it had the right intention and was like a playbook of do this and don't do that and be this, be with this person and not with this person. I mean, heck, I have two daughters and I don't want them with a certain, you know, like action and I would rather have them with another set of actions that, that looks more pure. Yet 
Purity culture was based on the notion that what we did or didn't do deepened our relationship with Jesus. And if we were engaged in something, then then somehow that was going to corrupt our relationship with Jesus versus the other way around, that our deepened relationship with Jesus was expressed in our behavior. Remember that the Beatitudes are not defined by what we do. If they were, then that is the inroad to shame based on religion or toxic religion. Well, I want to give you an example that kind of unpacks this a little bit better, an illustration about what is called the two-ditch mentality, two-ditch ditches on the side of the road. So imagine yourself on a road, and on one side of the road, just off the shoulder, is a ditch that runs the length of the road. So you have this ditch on this side of the road, and, and you're on the road, and you're trying to avoid this ditch over here on my on my left, your, your right, looking at the camera, or vice versa, however it turns out on film. The other side, there's another ditch, and this is basically that runs the length of this side of the road. So I'm traveling down a road, I have a ditch on this side and a ditch on the other side. And in this mentality of life, the road represents our relationship with Jesus. So we're walking along this road and we're trying to avoid these two ditches. So the ditch represent, represented on this side of the road uh, represents shame, and on the other side of the road represents pious religion. So both attitudes will end you up in the ditch. Either shame will end you up in the ditch or a pious religiosity will end you up in the ditch. So one side of the ditch or one ditch, you try to do all kinds of things to keep yourself on the road, but but you fail. So you avoid things, you you try to resist things. Don't look at that. Don't touch that. Don't engage in that. Otherwise, you end up in the ditch of, of shame or you shouldn't do that, and you put yourself under a should contract. The other ditch, you put yourself in this righteous, pious place, and you eventually fall. So this is the ditch of self-righteousness. So we have this, the ditch of self-shame, and or, or shame, and we have the ditch of self-righteousness. Well, the problem with this mentality is we think we are on this road to a certain destination, and when in reality, Jesus related our salvation to a, to, a, to, to a narrow road, but not our relationship with Jesus. God relates our relationship with him to something like a clay and a potter, a vineyard and vines and branches, or a herd of sheep with a shepherd. He gives the illustration of a child and a parent and a friendship and a wedding and a feast. So in these relationships, there's guidance, there's fruit for sustenance, and there's care. So the ditches and trying to keep on the road will never shape or form us into Christ-likeness that Jesus wants. Only a relationship with Jesus will do this, will shape us into Christ-likeness. So what is the purity of heart? That's the question today. Well, this is the purity that changes the world, I believe, and captures the attention of the world and helps those that are in need. So purity of heart means this. It means single-mindedness on God. 
It doesn't mean do or don't do these certain actions. It means single-mindedness on God. The single-mindedness on God then informs our thinking. The single-mindedness informs our actions. The single-mindedness informs our emotions and our deeds. It is the heart that marries the love of Christ with our love for others. That purity of heart brings together Jesus and our actions. And so Psalm 24 says this, who can ascend the Lord's mountains? In verse 3, 24 verse 3, who can ascend the Lord's mountain? Who can stand in his holy sanctuary? Only the one with clean hands and a pure heart, the one who hasn't made false promises and the one who hasn't sworn dishonesty. So the listeners would have made this connection. When they heard Jesus say this, blessed are the pure in heart, they would have heard Psalm 24. So the crowd that was there, there were all kinds of people listening to Jesus. And and I think about those people that Jesus accepted at the table and into relationship with him. And and he accepted people that were cut off from life-giving relationships. So if you had a disease or if you were not pure Jewish or if you were divorced or if you had a physical disability of some kind, then you were cut off from any form of life-giving society and you were put out at the city gates to beg and such. And, And Jesus is giving a kind of news, a good news to those types of people. So this is the new hope and the different kind of relationship that that is solely based on internal connection and focus on God. And it's a renewal and transformation that can only come through Jesus. It doesn't have to do with actions or resistance or words. It's only based on a relationship as a clay, as clay is to the potter, and a bride is to the groom, and a vine is to the branch. So James 4.8 says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands and purify your hearts. So holiness, purity, and righteousness in our Western thinking a lot of times are considered transactional words. They're, They're moral transactions. So if I do this, then I'm holy. I'm holier than thou, right? So if I perform this action, I'm holy. Or if I perform and and don't perform this action, then I'm pure. Or if I perform this action, then I'm righteous. So holiness, I do. Purity, I don't. Or I do. Righteousness is I don't and I do. They're, they're, they're pretty much transactional. If, if I do this, then I get this title. When our connection, though, to Jesus is all relational, which means that these words of holiness and purity and righteousness, these words are covenantal words. They're relational words. So if we think of these words as covenantal, then we, th- we rethink what we think of purity. So if purity is covenantal, then it is a single-minded focus, not an action or resistance. It is single-minded focus on God. So holiness is set apart, means being set apart for a particular purpose, for a particular relationship, not for a particular action. 
uh, or a set of actions. Righteousness is being in right relationship with God and right relationship with others. Purity is being single-minded with God, not double-minded or scatter-minded with, with everything or, or all agenda. These are covenantal-focused words. Purity is a relational word. So we need to be careful that we do not fall into the trap of policing our souls and then policing other people's souls for some toxic residue left over from our interaction with the world. This is what we got into back in purity culture where we built fortresses where you couldn't see, do, or participate, or or if you did, then you ended up in the ditch of shame. But those that were in the ditch of self-righteousness, they were praised during those times. So so we can't fall in the trap of policing our souls and policing others for some kind of residue because then that just that just produces something that is not a relationship with God. So we live in a very temporary, quick-paced culture. And us as Christians, we definitely can point the finger at the quick-paced, path of least resistance, you're just looking for the easy way out type of culture. Yet we have adopted that culture in our Christianity. We, we, in a sense, spiritually buy things on credit. We look for the easy way out when it comes to spiritual ideas. We even go on extreme diets to lose weight quickly. That's a cultural thing. But we go through extreme diets when it comes to our spirituality, where we're resisting something or, or doing away, eliminating something out of our life to kind of boost our spirituality. It's in our thinking. And sometimes it's how we are raised. Yet, Real growth doesn't happen quickly. It doesn't happen in elimination. It doesn't happen in a quick resistance. It happens when you're focused on a goal and you move towards that goal when you're single-minded on that goal. Yeah, sometimes you'll get distracted. Sometimes you'll even get sidetracked and make horrible mistakes along the way. But then we refocus and we get back on track and we continue to make progress because we're single-minded towards God. Well, this is a much different form of purity than we're all used to. We're all used to don't do this, you shouldn't do that, and you can't do that. But with this kind of purity of heart, there will be an inner connection. And through this faithfulness and, and spiritual focus, then growth can occur, occur and our outward actions will display what's happening in the internal life. It's this invitation for Jesus to enter our internal life, internal life, so that we can become external witnesses to love, that we can become external witnesses to the fruit of the Spirit. We can become external witnesses for Jesus to others. Well, I think that in a cultural uh, era like we live in today, we are way focused on our outputs, much more focused on our outputs than our inputs. And this has been this has been a change in our Christianity and with the invent of social media and stuff that we are very focused on our our expression publicly shows this. When you look on different platforms, you'll see that people are very focused on their outward expression. Look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Look at my happy life. We're so concerned about what people think of us publicly. Yet, I want to just propose something a little bit differently. 
that we would pay more attention to what God is doing internally versus what people think of us externally or publicly. In Proverbs 4.25, more than anything you guard, it says protect your mind, for life flows from it. It says to guard your heart, to guard your mind, because your life, this wellspring, flows from that place. So how we protect or guard our heart, our mind, is is this is how we're watchful for a divided mind. We're watchful for a divided heart. And so an illustration for this, I guess, would be in my community here in Oregon. If you drive around our community during, let's say, an election time, um, you'll see yard signs everywhere. And it doesn't matter if it's for mayor or the president or the school board. Sherwood, where I live, this this deal, we had Sherwood's deal is yard signs. We put yard signs everywhere. And when you drive around town, you can just see the amount of passion that people have just based on how many yard signs they put out in their yard. Now, I don't hardly ever put yard signs out in my yard. I, I want to be known more for my relationship with Jesus than a yard sign out on my yard, right? But it's it's a display of passion, yet it's also a display sometimes of how divided we have become because of what the yard sign says or promotes or devalues or speaks out against. And this is what we have to be on watch for in our spiritual lives, that we are not so littered with our agendas and our desires and our go-go-goes and we have-tos and should contracts and such, that we forget what our single-mindedness is supposed to be. Sometimes our hearts and our minds and our souls look like a yard, a field of yard signs with agendas and desires. And some of those agendas and desires have an illusion of being righteous. And some of them are clearly not righteous. And for me, it's very easy to remove the yard signs and the agendas and the desires out of my life. It's, 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 it's sometimes, I won't say it's totally easy, but it's, it's clear that I need to remove the ones that are not righteous. It's very clear. It's like the yard sign just is blazing at me. Yet it's more difficult to remove a agenda or a desire in my life that produces shame. It's like the human, the nature of human nature is to live in a, in a, in a wallow of shame. So the shame that results in division in our lives and a divided heart, that is what we need to work on to remove. So a, so something that would produce shame would be that, that ditch of should and shouldn't contracts that I have in my life, that I need to live more in a freedom of Christ, that I need to live more in in a field of, of vines and branches and living off of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not a set of rules and regulations that produce shame in my life. Those are the difficult ones, more difficult, and sometimes they're very unclear. So the single-minded focus on God will produce a pure heart, and that is what we need to strive towards in our lives and to help others to do the same. So our verse, the beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for our ability and our connection and ability connection 
with you in relationship. Thank you that you are molding and shaping us like a clay and potter. Lord, that you are connected to us like a vine and a branch. Lord, that you are our friend, that we, are, we have a deep relationship with you and that we are in a celebration feast around a banquet table with you. Thank you that you have provided a relationship, an opportunity for a relationship through the cross. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us first. Lord, help us deepen our relationship with you so our outward expression, Lord, would be a single-minded focus on God, a pure heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.